0: We took a break last week for Easter, and it's so awesome to do that to celebrate the resurrection power of Jesus. It's also great to dive back into the soundtrack mini-series of this overarching series of the story. And uh, the soundtrack kind of um, theme is, you know, what if our life story was a soundtrack, a a gathering of different kinds of songs and music? Kind of like in a movie has all those different kinds of songs. You know, if your life was a soundtrack, what were some of those tunes that would be playing? What kind of songs would they be? Would it be a lot of happy, exciting songs? Would there be some sad, slow songs? Would there be some angry songs? What kind of a, a mixture of songs make up the soundtrack of your life? What's really neat is that the Bible helps us hear other soundtracks of some of these amazing people in Scripture who are everyday people just like you and me Uh, and sometimes that sound is a beautiful sound, and sometimes it's a train wreck. And so uh, I take comfort in seeing real humans in the Bible uh, so that that can help apply to my life. So I'm glad you're here today as we explore this together. As Kevin said, we read chapter 12 of the story for this week. Next week, we'll be doing chapter 13. So my parents recently dropped off several boxes of mine that they'd had for 20 plus years, and I think they were tired of of storing them. And so uh, they dropped them off, and it's a lot of my childhood stuff. And So I've been slowly going through some of that stuff, and it's been kind of fun doing that with my boys who were 6 and 10 and seeing some of the stuff that I played with when I was their age. And they're digging like the G.I. Joes and the A-Team kind of stuff. And it's been hard, too, to throw some of that stuff away. But it's been a lot of fun, more than anything, just kind of reliving some of my childhood. And I found a box of records in uh, one of these boxes, and I've got a picture of one of them. It's a little 45. Uh, And this is uh, by the band Cool and the Gang. And the song is Celebration. You all know that, don't you? Celebrate good times. Come on! They still play that, uh, you know, sporting events and all that good kind of stuff. And uh, so uh, back in the day, if you wanted to listen to a song, you couldn't like digitally download just one song. If you wanted a song, you had to buy the album. And then uh, whether that's a big vinyl album or whether that was um, a cassette or an A track, you'd have to fast forward or rewind to keep hearing the same song. So they did sell individual songs on these small records, these 45. So that's where I had uh, Celebration by Cool and the Gang. And then on the other side, uh, which they called the B-side, would be a less popular song that you probably never heard of. Anybody know what's on the other side of Celebration, the B-side of Celebration? A song called Morning Star. I've never heard of it either until I just dug out this record the other day and was looking at that. And by the way, the sleeve that this record came in uh, had a price tag still on it. It cost $1.29 in 1980. Uh, I bought it at Sky City. You might remember Sky City. Uh, they wouldn't have those in South Park, I promise you, but <laughs> that's where I got that. So the B-side of Morning Star. It, you know, uh, never going to get airtime on the radio or any plays like that. It's just they had to stick something on the other side of that. You know, as we think about our lives, we think about our lives as soundtracks and as songs, I think for most of us, we like the the A side, the the popular side, the big hit side, like the celebrations, those moments in our lives that we're proud of. And we'd love to to hear about them again. We love to tell those stories. It's the promotions that we get at work. It's the birth of our children or our grandchildren, the the weddings and the baptisms. It's when we, if we're playing golf and we shoot under par, anybody who's watching the Masters, that's something to celebrate. We, we, We want the world to hear that kind stuff about us. And we're proud of that. And we love to to play those songs again and again in our own minds and and relive our history, the the highlight moments of our lives, those beautiful sounds of the stories of our lives. And I'm guessing we also, if you're like me, we have a B-side as well, or or several B-sides in our lives, things in our life that we're not proud of that we wished we'd never done, mean things that we said, people that we have hurt, bad decisions that we've made. And and those sounds are are relegated to the B side because we never want to hear them again. We don't want them to see the light of day and we surely don't want anybody who knows us to hear those B sides because they would think negatively about us. We want to play the A sides and we want to hide the B sides. You know what I'm talking about? What are those B-side moments or choices or or, or past filled with guilt or things that we're ashamed of that we really want to hide and and never, uh, never face again? Well, if we're kind of harboring some B-side songs in our lives that, that as much as we try to, to put in the record box and lock it up and never hear from it again, that some of these B-sides keep playing again and again in our head like a broken record and we just can't shake that nasty tune out of our head no matter what we do. If, if we're struggling with some of that B-side soundtrack in our lives, we're in the right place today because God gives us good news. And God gives us good news through the story of King David that we read in the scripture this past week. Pastor Nancy did a great job a couple of weeks ago of introducing us to David. He was then a boy and uh, and, uh, God sent a prophet to anoint the next king of Israel. Even while the current king, King Saul, was still in power, God had already made up his mind to replace Saul with someone else and sent a prophet to David's family. And and David was called the run of the litter in one translation. He was the the, the least of all the boys. He wasn't the tallest. He wasn't the strongest. He wasn't the best looking. Uh, But the prophet came and, and God said, I want you to anoint David as the new king. He's just a boy. He hasn't done anything. But God says, I see his heart. And I look upon people in a way that the world doesn't look, and it, it didn't make sense to anoint this little boy to be the next king, but God saw something special inside of him, and so he was anointed as king. And. Nancy shared about the story when he, he was still a boy and he went out and he slayed the, the mighty warrior Goliath, this Philistine military guy who stood over 10 feet tall and, and taunted all of the Israelites in the army. And none of the Israelites who were in the army had the guts to go out and face Goliath. And yet God was with David. And he went out and he slayed the giant. And, and then Saul found out that he was supposed to be the next king. He tried to kill David. All these adventures. And long story short, David replaced Saul He's become the king of of Israel. He's looked back upon in history as the greatest king that Israel has ever known. Military king, political ruler. He expanded the boundaries of Israel as far as they've ever been, gave Israel times of peace. David was a mighty warrior and he had a true heart for God. And he brought a golden age into the the history of Israel. He was God's golden boy, quote, unquote, you might could say. And and so David was this awesome man of God. But like you and like me, he also had a B-side to his soundtrack. He had a dark side to his story. A side that I'm sure he wished would never be played again, but it's told again and again and again because it's written in God's Word right there in the Old Testament of the Bible. And that's where we are today, where God offers us some hope. When we struggle with our B-sides, we can see that David was able to overcome his So let's think about what's going on in the life of David. So he's the king, uh, and this is kind of where we come into the story. The scripture writer says that it was a time for kings to be away at war. And David was a mighty warrior, and he led the, the Israelite army very well. But for whatever reason, when his army was away, and it said that the king was supposed to be away at war, he decided to stay at home in the palace. And so already he's not in the place that he's supposed to be. It's kind of like in uh, real estate. We know that the, the main thing is location, location, location. The same thing is true about getting into trouble. Or, or sinning, as the Bible says it, doing what we're not supposed to do. When we're in the wrong place at the wrong time, usually bad things happen. So David, instead of being away where he needed to be, was home in his palace when he should have be out with his army doing what he was called to do. It's kind of like when a teenager's parents go out of town, the temptation is to throw a big party, which can lead to lots of trouble. It's kind of like if we're on a business trip with some of our colleagues and we're working hard during the day and we're trying to unwind after we We've done all of our business, and we find ourselves attracted to somebody else who we work with, and yet they're married to someone else, and we're married to someone else. It's not a good idea, probably, to go and share drinks at the bar after a long day at work or to you know, find ourselves knocking at their door of their hotel room, right? Wrong place, wrong time, going to be a wrong situation. So this is kind of the stage is set. So David walks out on top of his palace, his castle on the top of the roof there. He's looking out and surveying his kingdom and and he sees this beautiful woman who is, is bathing on the roof of her building. And so, you know, it's not his fault. He just kind of went out and saw that, you know, he could have gone back in and turned away, but evidently David grabbed his version of binoculars uh, and started eyeballing her. And so, you know, maybe should have been peeping David rather than peeping Tom, but uh, that wasn't really his, his deal, but that's what he was doing. And so he saw this beautiful woman and he just kept staring. So he sent someone to find out who she was. Turns out her name's Bathsheba, And she's married to one of his soldiers, Uriah, who is faithfully serving David in the war, where David should be. But that doesn't matter to David. He is so enamored. She's so beautiful that he calls for her to come to his castle and he sleeps with her and she becomes pregnant. And so, you know, one question is, you know, was Bathsheba willing to do this? She was just minding her own business. The king sends a messenger, brings her to the castle. He sleeps with her. You know, a lot of times we assume that that she was, you know, an active participant in this, but it's not clear in the Bible one way or the other. She might have been, she might not have been, but she was a woman who had no power in the kingdom of those days. And David was the ruler of the nation. What he said goes, can you really say no to the king? So David definitely was an adulterer and he possibly was a rapist. Maybe one of the earliest sexual assaults well-documented in the history of the world. Possibly. It doesn't say one way or the other, but he definitely had more power than she had. So now David's kind of stuck. This is not going to look good for him. Uh, he's sleeping with one of his soldier's wives, got her pregnant when he should be away, doing his thing as a king and a leader. And so he hatches plan A to try to cover up his crime or his sin. And so he invites Uriah to come back from the battle, say, well done, good and faithful servant, good, you know, good soldier. You know, just take some R&R before you go back into the battle and you know, spend some time with your family hoping that he would do his husbandly duty and go home and spend time and sleep with his wife so that then they could say that the baby was Uriah's rather than David, no one would know. But Uriah had incredible character. And so David looked out and saw that Uriah was sleeping outside of his house and and David sent in and and inquired, what's going on? And and Uriah said, "I, I just don't feel right about spending time with my wife when my fellow soldiers, my brothers in arms are out fighting for their lives and they're sleeping on the ground and they're scared to death. I just don't feel right about doing this, even though she's my wife and there's nothing wrong with that. So David's just blown away by Uriah's character. But, and so, you know, he goes to plan B. He, he invites Uriah over. He starts giving him a drink, gives him another drink, and he gets Uriah drunk, hoping that his you know, natural urges now are going to kick in with the help of alcohol and it's going to solve all the problems. But again, Uriah's character is so strong that it rises above his drunken situation. He refuses to sleep with his wife again. So now David's up to plan C and plan C is a bad, dirty plan that's going to do all kinds of harm to Uriah. David writes out some orders for the commander who's on the front lines. His name is Joab. And he writes down, he says, I want you to put Uriah in the front of the fighting. And once it gets started to pull everyone else back so that Uriah will be killed. And so David writes that up, seals it gives it to Uriah, says this is top secret, take it to Joab. And so he's just written Uriah's death sentence, hands it to Uriah and has him deliver it to the commander. Just, you know, just see how far this man of God who has the heart for God is sinking and it just gets worse and worse and worse. When we get into sin, we can spiral down and down and down and it happens to the best of us. And so... Joab reads the orders. I'm guessing, it doesn't say, but I'm guessing he has all kinds of mixed emotions. This is a loyal soldier. He's got great character, obviously, but the king has ordered his death sentence and so he carries it out. And so Uriah's up front, the people retreat, Uriah is killed. And now David thinks he's gonna be in the clear, but he's committed adultery, he's committed murder, he possibly has a rapist, Uh, and he thinks he's gotten away with it. The man of God, the king of Israel, the one with the heart who was chosen by God, who sees things differently than us, has a huge and dark B-side to his soundtrack, and it's a terrible sound, and David tried to cover it up, but he couldn't. So God sends a prophet A prophet named Nathan, a prophet is simply a spokesperson for God who says what God wants him to say. God sends a prophet to David and he tells David a story. And He says, says, King David, there's there's two men. One of them is very rich. He has lots of flocks, lots of sheep, lots of cattle. Uh, And then there's a very poor man who's his neighbor who is so poor, he only has one lamb. And this one lamb he treats like a pet. Even more so than a pet, he lets it eat off his plate and drink out of his cup. It's really more like a child to him than anything. And so one day, the rich man is having a guest in from out of town and wants to throw him a big dinner and, and wants to you know, cook something up. But instead of taking one of his many sheeps or lambs or, or anything from his cattle, he goes and steals the man's one lone little lamb and kills it and sacrifices it and gives it to his out-of-town guest. And so Nathan, of course, is telling a story about David. He wants to see if David gets it. And and so I want to read to you David's reaction to this. If you've got your Bibles with you, or if you want to look on your tablets or your apps, uh, we're in the uh, 2nd Samuel, it's in the Old Testament. Uh, The 1st and 2nd Samuel are stories uh, about the early kings of Israel, King Saul and King David transitioning from uh, the judges who led Israel before that. And so we're in 2nd Samuel today, 2nd Samuel 12. We're going to be starting with verse 5. So Nathan, very bold, mind you. Nathan, very bold, is coming to David to tell him a hard truth. And this is David's reaction to the story about the man stealing the man's, man's little lamb. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. He stole the one lamb when he had all those. David's furious and he's like, that is wrong. He should die. He should have to pay back at least four times over. So here's Nathan's response to that. Again, Nathan being very bold says uh, this. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. And that's not like you're the man, like you just made a hole in one. That's awesome. That's not the you're the man kind of speech that he's getting. He's like, you're the man who stole the lamb. You're the man who deserves to die. You're the man who deserves to pay him back four times what he stole from him. You're the king of Israel. You have many wives. And this man had one and you took her from him and you had him killed. There's going to be strife and violence in your family from this day forward, right? And so Nathan is bold because he's got to know, right, that David doesn't shy away from killing people that get in his way. And so it'd been easy for David to have said, you know what? Guards, come in. Nathan has spoken against me. Take him away silently. Make him disappear. Nathan is a very bold spokesperson for God, And so now we're going to really find out who David is and what his character is when he is put on the spot by God and by Nathan. So let's continue uh, with chapter 12. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I, you're absolutely right. I completely blew it. I've not only sinned against uh, people but I've also sinned against God. I'm God's representative. I am the king. I, I'm the one with the heart for God. I blew it. And I'm guessing, and it doesn't tell us you know, what emotions are going through David, but possibly he feels relieved right? because he is a man of God. He is a good man. He has a heart for God. And he made one mistake that led to another mistake that led to another mistake. And And I'm I'm guessing part of him is just glad to get it out in the open, to air it out and say, you know what? You're absolutely right. I am so sorry. I blew this. This is not who I am. It's not who I want to be. You were right. And I think it's got to just have this sense of relief to get all of this guilt and junk out of him because he's a good man of God. So Nathan's going to reply to him and share what are the consequences going to be. So Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are forgiven. That's powerful, right? Going to take away the guilt, going to take away the shame for all that he's done. You are forgiven. You're not going to die. Not now anyway. David will die at one point because death ultimately is the result of, uh, of sin, right? When we sin, the consequence is death. And so, so we have all these like these these spiritual consequences. You know, we're cut off from God, we're cut off from each other, we're gonna die, right? Separation from God is, is called hell. You don't have to die to experience hell, right? So there's this separation, there's guilt, there's shame. But there's also earthly consequences that we have to face, right? So so God says, You're not going to die, but because by doing this you have shown utter contempt to the Lord. The son born to you will die. And that's a hard pill to swallow. But it reminds us that when we make bad choices in life, that usually we hurt not only ourselves, but we hurt other people. When we make bad choices in life, we we hurt not only ourselves, not only just other people, but usually people that we love and we care for. So there are some earthly consequences that are hard that David's gonna have to face. There are some spiritual consequences that that God is going to forgive David uh, and give him another chance. In fact, David's going to stay king. Uh, One of his other sons is going to rebel against him, and and it's going to be a painful civil war, and his son Absalom's going to die a terrible death. But ultimately, David's going to rally. He's going to be a great leader for the the nation of Israel. He's going to pave the way for his son Solomon to build the great religious temple like the, the national church. And David's going to finish his story well. And if you remember Saul, King Saul, he was removed from being the king for two reasons. One of them was he was supposed to wait on the prophet to come and offer a sacrifice to God, but Saul was so impatient that he did it himself. He stepped into shoes that weren't his, and so he disobeyed God. That was one reason that he got in big trouble with God. The other was that after he defeated uh, an army that he fought, God told him not to take any of the loot, but he, he took some of the, the, the plunder and kept it for himself. So those are two main reasons that Saul was disqualified for being the king. Uh, and so there's other things that are going on, but those are the two main things that we read in Scripture. Now you compare that to what David did. Uh, David committed adultery, possibly rape, uh, and definitely murder. And, and Saul is ousted from the kingdom. But David is allowed to continue and continue to be king. And so, you know, a great question is why? Why why did Saul get in trouble in the way that he did? And why was David not taken out as king? And I think it comes down to their reactions. When when Saul was called to, to the carpet, so to speak, he made excuses. He didn't own up to what he'd done. He made excuses. When David was called out, he manned up. And he faced the music and he says, you're absolutely right. I was wrong and I blew it. So David finished well while Saul did not. They both disobeyed God in their own ways, but David finished well and Saul did not. Uh, I invite you when you get home this week, if you've got some time, just spend some time uh, with uh, Psalm 51. Psalm is in the Old Testament, but if you open your Bibles up, It'll be right in the middle, the middle book, Psalm 51. Uh, It's what David wrote to God after Nathan confronted him, after Nathan called him out for what he did. Psalm 51 is David's response. And I'd like to read to you just uh, a few verses from that today because I think it's very powerful. This shows you the real heart of David and why God let him continue to be uh, the king of Israel. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. God, I blew it. I am so sorry. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God. Remember, David, God looked upon his heart. David's like, make my heart pure again. God, I I want to have the heart that you first saw in me. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David blew it, but he faced up to it. He confessed it to God. He asked for forgiveness and he turned away. He said, I don't want want to be that person. I don't want to be that guy. God, create something new in me. Make me new again. It reminds me of the the Easter story that we celebrated last week. and, And we talked about that's why Jesus came, the Son of God. God himself came to the earth to die on a cross and to come back to life so that when we mess up, when we distance ourselves from God and from each other, we can find forgiveness because of what Jesus did for us that we can call out to Christ and and that He will forgive us and He will take our guilt away. He will take our shame away. He will give us joy and give us peace and give us life to the full. That's the great Easter message that's still true today. And and David is is like, he's ahead of the curve. He's experiencing God's forgiveness on, on the other side of the cross. We're on the right side of the cross and God still gave David that forgiveness. And that nasty sounding B side of his life had been forgiven and, and he could file it away. So I'm just wondering, us today, you today, what's on the B side of your soundtrack? What, what, what sin do we bring here today that is unresolved? Unresolved. What guilt are we harboring? What, what shame are we harboring? And maybe it's a fresh thing that we've done and we need to spend some time with it and wrestling with that. Or maybe it's something we've done in the past, and we just cannot seem to let it go. Someone that we've hurt, something nasty that we've said, someone that we've taken advantage of, someone that maybe we've, we've abused, right? What, what are those B-side sounds coming out of our lives that we just wish never would have happened but are haunting us until this day, right? If God can forgive King David of murder and adultery and most likely rape, then surely God can forgive us of whatever it is that we're harboring, whatever unresolved sin or guilt that we have today. If God can forgive David, then surely God can forgive us. And if God still had plans for David, God must still have plans for us. So maybe you're asking yourself the question today, so what? So what? So we've got this story, we've, we've got all this stuff about soundtracks, right? So what? So there's a lot we can take from this story, but, but this, is, this is the main idea that I think that God's calling us to take away today. This is the, the so what moment, is, is give your B-side some airtime, right? Air it out, air it out on the, on the radio, your personal radio between you and God. And what I'm talking about is confronting unresolved sin in our life unresolved guilt, unresolved shame, something that we've done and we've not let go and and we allow it to continue to haunt us. We've locked it up. We've tried to hide it. We've tried to get rid of it. What I'm saying today is is to bring out that record, put the needle on it, right? And so that we can allow God to make things right. Give your B-side some airtime with God when we're talking about unresolved sin and guilt and shame. And maybe some of us want to look back at some resolved guilt and shame and sin and see that God has forgiven us and see how far we have come and see that it's a part of our story, but it didn't define who we are. And we can look back on it and we can learn from it and we can leave it lying in the past. But I think the real focus today is that unresolved sin, that unresolved guilt, that unresolved shame. So I think uh, then the question becomes, well, how do I do that, Pastor? I would love to air out my B-side with God. I'd love to do that. I'd love to finally receive some peace in my life. You know, now what? What, what, what next? What do I do now? Right? I, I think it, it's pretty simple, is that we, we face the music. We, we face the music we confess to God what it is that we've done. And we say like David, I'm so sorry, God. That's not who I want to be. That doesn't define me. I'm ready to move on. So we confess and we ask for forgiveness and we rely upon the power of Jesus and his forgiveness. And the Bible says to repent. It means to turn away from it, to say, God, this is who I was, but it's not who I want to be. And I'm so tired of this baggage. I am ready to let it go, God. I'm turning my back on it. And I am turning to you, God. And I invite you to come in, Lord. Please forgive me. Please take my guilt. Please take my shame and replace it with the joy and the peace and the life of the full that, that Pastor Kyle's talking about, that the Bible's talking about, that David experienced, that Jesus came to give us, right? Give your B side some air time, right? Face the music. God, help me face my earthly consequences. They're difficult. I might have lost someone. I I might be fined. I I might have lost a a position. Earthly consequences are real. God, help me deal with that. but, But take my eternal consequences, God, and give me peace. And what if we were to do this, brothers and sisters? What if we really were to do this? What if we were able to let go of the guilt that we've been carrying around? What if we were able to let go of the shame? What if we were able to let the huge weight go and play that B-side and hear it one last time and then just be done with it? And it's gone. It's not who we are. It's a part of our story, but we've moved on from it. What, What if we really did that? And and we could begin to forgive ourselves and see that we're human beings and we make mistakes. What, what if we could see that other people in our lives are human and they make mistakes and that might be why they have hurt us. Right? Because I think that God still has great things for us. I think like David, he, he still needed David to lead the people of Israel. God, God wants us to do good things for our families. God wants us to do good things for our friends. God wants us to do good things for our church and our community. God wants us to do great things for the kingdom of God. And, and to do that, we, we gotta let go of the junk. I don't know about you, but, but when I feel bad about myself, I just want other people to feel bad about themselves. I know that's not a pastoral thing to say, but it's a real thing to say. If I feel bad about myself, I want others to feel bad about themselves. So how can I help other people until I allow Jesus to help me? So maybe it's the day, it's today that you surrender to God. Maybe you need to go home and read Psalm 51 out loud and and pray the words that David prayed. If David was a murderer and a rapist and an adulterer and, and God forgave him then maybe those are the words that we need to use brothers and sisters maybe today is the day that you let it go give time give air time to that B side face the music and let it go and then maybe we can be like cool in the gang and we can celebrate we can celebrate those good times come on Give some airtime to your B-side. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.